For centuries, there's been a rumored creature lurking in South Georgia. Many sightings have occurred, and it's gained the legend of being Georgia's Nessie. Does it exist? Can we prove it? You're listening to the Mysterious Podcast. Tonight, we bring you the case of the Altamaha Ha. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement. Somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Uh, We come to you today with the worst name ever for a cryptid. Thank God they shortened it to Alti. Yeah, they did, but yeah, the Altamaha River is suspected to be the home of the Altamaha Ha. Ha. Come on. The Altamaha Ha. That's that's the worst name for a cryptid ever. Ever. I don't know. Goatman's pretty bad. Well, I mean, it's a goat. Bat boy. And a man. It's a goat man. It's a bat and a boy. It's a bat boy. I mean, that, that makes sense. But, yeah, they did shorten it to Alti, which is a good... Uh, alternative, but good God, terrible name, terrible, terrible, terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> well, near the mouth of the Altamaha River. Well, hold on. Oh we yeah, were, we got something. Yeah, we, yeah, we forgot we're something. We're drinking Silver Bluff Brewing Company down near Brunswick, Georgia. We're drinking their American Pale Ale, which I don't know yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be good. Most pale ales are. Near the mouth of the Altamaha River in southeastern Georgia is said to reside a hissing sea monster called Altamaha. (laughs) (laughs) Such a terrible name. Or, as we will now refer to it as, Alti. Yeah, I prefer that. So much more. The legend predates British-English colonization of Georgia and is said to have originated with the Lower Muscogee Creek Tribe. Now, the Altamaha River is one of the largest rivers in the state, and it empties into the Atlantic Ocean, and it has one of the largest river basins in the country, second only to the Mississippi River. That's pretty crazy considering that I personally have never seen this river, even though we live in Georgia, we love Georgia. I don't go to South Georgia much. I've been to Brunswick and Jekyll and St. Simons, but I don't... I, I don't... I just... Mm-mm. It's not for me. I like Tybee <laughs> before it blew up. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a South Georgia guy, man. It's like, there's just too many gnats down there. Yes, and they're huge. Yeah. And now, the river extends about 137 miles and joins up with three major tributaries, and that is the Okamogee, the Oconee, and further down, really? the o- Ohoopi. Oconee goes all the way down there? That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yep. All of those empties out into the Altamaha Sound just above Brunswick, where it is joined by the Darien, Butler, and Champney Rivers before making its way to the ocean. Now, the river area located primarily in McIntosh and Glen counties along the Atlantic coast is not comprised of beaches, but rather is made up of many islands, acres of marshes, docks, canals, ponds, and old rice fields. Alti is said to inhabit this myriad of small streams and twisting channels of the river 
and marshes, particularly around Darien, Butler Island, and elsewhere in McIntosh County. Now, Alti is described as having a sturgeon-like body with the bony ridge on its top. It's also reported to have front flippers but no back limbs. It swims like a dolphin and has the snout of a crocodile with large protruding eyes and sharp, large teeth. Hmm. Its coloring is said to be gray or green with a whitish or yellow underbelly. Reports indicate that it is anywhere from 20 to 30 feet long, even though some have stated that it is as long as 70 feet. 70? That, oh my, that, that's huge. (laughs) Now, some have stated that they have seen much smaller and much larger creatures, suggesting Alti is not alone. Well, I mean, the fact that it's been seen since before colonial times would indicate a breeding population. Yes. There's absolutely no way. Well, I I don't want to say no way, but, I mean, the lifespan of most creatures doesn't extend hundreds upon hundreds of years. Not saying it's not possible. I mean, you know, snapping turtle. I'm not snapping turtles, but turtle. Sea turtles live a long time. Uh, I'm 115 years old, <laughs> dude. <laughs> it has reportedly been seen basking itself on the shore, trolling casually along the river, and has even reacted defensively while in the presence of boaters. Even though no evidence physically of Alti has been found, the Description and tales of the creature have gone back centuries, with the Indians describing it as a giant snake-like creature that hissed and bellowed. One of the first non-native reports of the creature was on April 18th of 1830, when a correspondent of the Savannah Georgian newspaper reported multiple sightings of a sea monster on the Georgia coast. The primary eyewitness was a Captain Delano of the schooner Eagle. Who reported seeing a large? He was, a good, he was a good reporter. I know a lot. Of, a lot. Of, a lot of his work. He did very well. <laughs> he reported seeing a large creature off of Saint Simon's Island, below the mouth of the Altamaha River. And this is from the Savannah Georgian. He repeated the particulars precisely, describing the animal he saw as being about seventy feet long. Jesus, that is so big. And its circumference about that of a sugar hog's head. For those of you that don't know what a hog's head is, that's a large barrel. Moving with I its it was head, just a hog's head, shaped like an alligator, about eight feet out of the water. Now, a hog's head's a big old cast. When them casts, they used to carry that there rum in or that wine. Like the sightings reported in 1830, the appearance of the monster has been verified by others around. The Schooner Eagle. Five men on the Schooner also saw it, and a number of planters from St. Simon's Island told the Savannah Georgian correspondent that they had seen something strange as well. It appeared in St. Simon's Sound that year and was viewed through telescopes over a period of several weeks. Other eyewitnesses proclaimed the creature seen in St. Simon's Sounds to be a whale, but no one could say for sure whether it was the same creature seen by Captain Delano. The captain, however, was clear that he had not seen a whale. Captain Delano states that he is acquainted with all kinds of whale and that he never saw 
but once before, about four years since, off Doughboy Bar, <laughs> a monster similar to the one he described previously, according to the Charleston Mercury, March 29th of 1830. Doughboy Sound, or Dewboy Sound, is the site of his earlier sighting, and that sound separates Sapelo Island from the mainland and connects to the Altamaha River. Now, Sapelo is basically undeveloped. It is a, I think the whole island is controlled by the Department of Natural Resources. I believe you're correct, yeah. I don't think there's any residents there. Now, Sea Serpent seems to have been part of people living in Darien well before 1830. And in 1826, one of the sloops that sailed from the wharves there was named the Sea Serpent. Mm. Was it in honor of Alti? Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. <laughs> the sightings of the monster in the early 1800s confirmed that people have been seeing something strange in the waters around the mouth of the river for a long, long time. Which, I mean, like, even if you want to dismiss, oh, there's no such thing as blah, blah, blah. There's no such thing as sea serpents. There's no, you can completely deny any type of cryptid existence. I mean, the fact that it's been sighted for centuries, over 100 years, there's been sightings of a something. Almost. Yeah, has 220 to, years. Yeah, has to lend credit to its existence. I mean, people, and, and, and again, at the same time, these people are not going to be like, we go back to there's no gain to them reporting this. Especially back in the 1800s. Oh, God, no. There's no financial gain. There's no real reason to report something like this other than the fact that, hey, we saw this and we got to get it out there. Be careful. There's something out there that's going to eat your ass. Which now, some people enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Not if you were in the 1800s, though, because I don't think they bathed very well. <laughs> Might be a little crusty. <laughs> <laughs> Tradition holds that the Tama Indians who lived up the Altamaha had legends of a giant snake-like creature that lived in the river. No documentation has been found to verify the claim, but the Creek Indians of Georgia definitely told stories of giant snakes in the rivers of their territory to early explorers who recorded the legends. In the 1920s, timbermen riding the river reported sighting a large snake-like water monster, and in 1935, a group of hunters spotted what they called a, quote, giant snake swim through the rivers. In the 1940s, Boy Scouts reported seeing the creature, as well as two officials from the Reedsville State Prison from the 1950s. Hmm. In 1969, when two brothers were fishing on the Altamaha River at Clark's Bluff, they reported seeing an animal they first thought was a sturgeon, but quickly changed their mind when they got a better look, stating that it measured about 10 to 12 feet long with a snout like an alligator and a horizontal tail. They also described the creatures having a triangular ridge along the top of its body, sharp pointed teeth, and being gunmetal gray in color. The monster made its splash on the national scene in 1981 when a former newspaper publisher named Larry Gwynn reported seeing the creature while fishing with his friend, Stephen Wilson. The pair saw Alti stranded on a mud bank near Cathead Creek. 
a reported animal was lying halfway in the water, thrashing and trying to free itself from the bank. They described it as being dark colored with rough skin and about 20 feet long. While watching, the creature freed itself, submerged, and disappeared. They said it had two big humps about five feet apart and left behind a wake like that of a speedboat. Oh, wow. When newspapers across the country ran stories about the sightings, other witnesses began to come forward. Harvey Blackman of Brunswick, for example, said he had seen the creature in the 1970s. He said it had a snake-like head and was 15 to 20 feet long and that he had seen it at a point called, quote, two-way on the Altamaha River. Another eyewitness, Frank Culpepper, saw its wake in the same area. He said it left behind a billow of water so big that it caused boats to bump together. Hmm. One of the men with a rifle that was with him at the time could not get off a shot before it submerged. What are you going to do with it? I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't... I hate hearing that kind of stuff. Like, why kill it? You going to eat it? Just because? I, I mean, I'm so glad, like, places like Oklahoma... I believe Oklahoma and uh, Oregon have laws in place that forbid you from killing a Bigfoot. I think I, Washington State does, too, now. I, I probably... Oklahoma probably has a shoot to kill order, to be honest with you. Texas, Louisiana. <laughs> First thing is we shoot it. Second thing is, do y'all know how to cook it? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad there's, if these things exist, there should be laws in place that forbid you from killing them. Yeah, I agree. So in December of 1980, another man reported having seen what he thought was Alti at Smith Lake. His description said the animal was 15 to 20 feet long snake-like with two brown humps that protruded from the water and left behind a wake like that of, again, a speedboat. So if it's, it's definitely capable of swimming fast. Yes. Another report in the 1980s described by a crab fisherman stated the creature looked like the world's biggest eel. Oh, wow. Now, a re- more recent report in 2002 was by a man pulling a boat up the river near Brunswick who reported seeing something over 20 feet in length and six feet wide break the water. In 2010, an amateur photographer captured a video of something strange swimming in the channel off Fort King George historic site in Darien. Yeah, we'll post that video. It's, I mean, again, it's not a great video, but you definitely can't identify what the hell he's filming. And it's it's you large. can see something and you can tell it's big, but you can't tell what it is. Which is base it's a trope of cryptozoology. Like it's always blurry, it's always far off. You just can't tell what these things are. Yeah, I saw a good meme the other day. It showed Bigfoot riding a bicycle, jumping a, a ramp or like a dirt mound. Yeah. And it says, uh, girlfriend, can you come over? Bigfoot, no. Girlfriend says, but I got a, an unsteady, shakable camera. <laughs> <laughs> now, the theories and possibilities run the gamut, but the two main ones are it's a misidentified sturgeon, and while that is... Now, sturgeons do get very big. But they don't get 30 feet long. Or 70. And they don't have no humps. Exactly, but... It does have the bony ridge, but it has those scoots 
along its side. And the, I guess the head does look similar to a crocodile or an alligator, but I don't know. The biggest one that um, I think was seen in Georgia was 18 feet long. But that fish would weigh in excess of 2,000 pounds if it yeah, was 18 feet long. 18 feet long sturgeon, yeah. That's going to be freaking heavy, heavy. So imagine one 70 feet long or imagine one 30 feet long. Yeah, you're looking at maybe pushing two and a half, three tons. Yeah. I, now, sturgeon, if it was a sturgeon, that would account for different sizes. But again, they just don't have the humps and the flippers that, that you know, are supposedly associated with alti. The other thing is sturgeon live in deep water and they eat shells, crustaceans, and small fish off the bottom of the river. They're more of a scavenger type. They have that large protruding mouth too. However, they are known for flying out of the water and making a splash that can be heard up to a half a mile away. Scientists are not sure why sturgeon do this. Some believe it's a form of group communication. Others believe it is escaping predators. But what's going to eat a two-ton sturgeon? Yeah, you don't have many uh, natural predators if you're two tons. Mm -mm. Maybe giant alligators, but... Or alti. Or alti. Yeah, that's a good good point. Now, as far as the color is concerned, sturgeon are typically gunmetal gray, grayish, um, brown, greenish sometimes, according to the bodies of water they live in. They are not yellowish, however, because their underbelly is white. The sturgeon theory fails when it comes to the creature's teeth. Alti is said to have razor-sharp teeth, but sturgeon don't have any teeth. Well, I mean, how many... I don't know. That could be an exaggeration, because how many people have actually been close enough to see the teeth? True. And how do you know they're razor-sharp? I don't know. Another possibility is the frilled shark. It is alien looking, I will say that. It is not, it does not look like it should come from the old earth, but uh, there isn't a lot of physically similar things that would lead you to believe that it was a misidentified frilled shark. Now, they do have an eel like body, a flattened head with a rounded snout, large eyes that lack nictating membranes, a long jaw, and a plethora. Of razor-sharp teeth. But are they capable of swimming in fresh water? That's my question. In 2018, Jeff Warren took a photograph of a creature fitting the description of Alti, leaving many to suggest that he had found the cryptid dead. Chantel Aldrin of the Tybee Island Marine Science Center came to a different conclusion, though. It looks like a deep-sea shark, like a frilled shark, although I don't see gill slits. Well, then it's not a frilled shark. Yeah, yeah, true. Others have suggested this particular image could be a decomposing basking shark. The female frilled shark is only expected to grow up to six and a half feet long, though. Males are even smaller. So that would, you know, you're not going to mistake a six and a half foot shark for a 20 foot eel or alti. Also, and this answers your question to further debunk the frilled shark theory, frilled sharks are not known to live in fresh water. There you go. It was only in recent years that humans became aware of bull sharks' ability to live in fresh water. And I don't think it's a bull shark because it would be eating your ass. It's kinky. <laughs> I can't. 
I mean, I, I could, but it would, you know, it would be bad. There is a little documentary, and it's not very good. It's about 20 minutes long on YouTube. We'll post that link as well. But there's not really a whole lot of information on Alti unless you live in and around the mouth of the Altamaha River. So any of our Georgia listeners, if you have stories about Alti and would like to share your sightings or your accounts of the monster, we would love to hear it. But... That's about all the facts we got. I, I keep going back to the fact that you cannot discredit the fact that something has been seen for centuries. Hundreds of years have to, lead, have to lend some credibility to it. Yeah, I was reading something that while I was researching this that said that in the 80s when this became well-known in the newspapers is when there was an uptick of sightings in Loch Ness and that people were trying to get fame and fortune off of it in Georgia. But I don't buy that either. What what fame and fortune is there to get? I don't know. Yeah, like you said, there's just not a lot of fame coming to these people. Name one person that's gotten rich. Off Alti. No, from any cryptid sighting. I mean, we talk Patterson Gimlin. You I don't know, think he got rich, did he? He didn't never got rich, but he got famous. But there's just, there's no. Todd Standing. I don't know. I mean, he produced his own documentary, he, though. He got rich. No, I don't think so. Infamous. Yeah, for sure, because he is very controversial. If you know anything about the, the big footing world. Well, I, I guess with Alti in the in the coastal things, if you go back, people are going to say that they misidentified uh, different well, I mean, sea creatures is, and things possible. like that. But they, you had sailors back then talking about the kraken and the giant squid, and it wasn't until what the twentieth century they pr- finally proved. Twentieth century shit, like the it was within like the past twenty years. That's what, well, yeah, so 21st century, 20th. they proved the, the giant squid was real. And we know what, roughly 16% of what the oceans hold? They're constantly finding if stuff. If that much, if that much. And going back to the giant squid, they saw these whales that were being harvested with these giant sucker marks on their face, which would prove that something was down there, but they could never prove it. So I'm like you, though. For Alti to have been around, sightings have been around, you know, earlier than the first reported ones, and goes back to the the Muscogee tribe. I mean, hell, you're talking 1700s. Yeah. That I mean, and it's not a river otter. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's a big one. Giant sloth. But yeah, to me, you just cannot. You, it leads credence to to the existence of it because it's been sighted so long ago, so many times. It, how could it not be true? And I wonder if there's not been a, I guess, a expedition, for lack of a better word, because of the sheer scope and size of the river basin as to someone looking for it like they do Loch Ness. But, hell, Loch Ness is, what, two miles Three miles long? 
I'm not sure. It's it, it's, it's a it's, it's a big pretty, ass. It's pretty decently big, and it's dark and you know and stuff like that. So I mean, I mean it's not no it's not no Lake Lanier. You know? No, it ain't only they didn't flood the town and cemeteries. <laughs> but on the list of cryptids, I would say that Alti is right up there with uh, Bigfoot. is is very highly plausible. It's a pretty unknown cryptid, though. Yeah, and, and the body, the way they describe the body, it's not going to lend itself to a whole lot of carcasses or, in the case of Bigfoot, uh, circumstantial proof like footprints and stuff like that. So, I mean, you got to think about, like, the lifespan of animals. Could it possibly just be one creature? No, there's no way. So there has to be a breeding population, which would also lend the idea that it would be more susceptible to being sighted, to being documented. So if there's a breeding population of these creatures, but those backwaters, why are, why are why have we not proven it? Think about the the backwaters of in the canals of Louisiana. You know, there's shit back there that. They still probably don't know what's back there. And it's the same thing with the coastal Georgia with those marshlands. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people that make their living in those marshlands and stuff. That's true. I mean, it, it does have a possible the possibility of it just being living in a remote place because it is pretty remote. It's kind of like the Sierra Nevadas when it comes to Bigfoot. The Sierra Nevadas are... There's swaths of that that have never been seen by humans. Yeah. Modern day humans, I guess I should well, say. Well, we have to, yeah, you have to take into account that the fact that there's a lot of land in this country that is not populated by people. There's a lot of opportunity for some sort of creature that we don't understand, we don't know, we haven't identified to live in perfect harmony without contact with human beings. Yeah, and I always reference that uh, troop of mountain gorillas that the natives knew were there, and it took modern scientists years to find. Yeah, the, I mean, when and, you when you look at creatures, undiscovered creatures, you're like, well, how could we not? Yeah, the mountain gorilla used to be a myth. The, the panda bear used to be a myth. The forest elephants. Yeah, they used to be a myth. The duckbill platypus used to be a myth. And they thought that someone Megamouth, faked it. Megamouth sharks used to be a myth. Giant octopus used to be a myth. We discover... As smart as we like to think we are... We're not. We're not very <laughs> smart. No, humans are very stupid. And, I mean, we're constantly discovering species that we, A, thought we were they were myths, or B, we th never knew existed at all. Or C, when you look at the coelacanth... They thought it was gone. Creatures that we thought were extinct for millions of years... Until you catch one, and you're like, well, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and we, we've touched on this on other cryptid episodes that we've done. But I also lend it to the ivory-billed woodpecker and the thalassine. Those two are, there's been some modern-day sightings. Again, there's been some fuzzy, grainy footage, something way off, something on the edge of a trail camera. But those are in national forest lands, and they're not going to they're not going to allow large swaths of in the case of the ivory billed woodpecker 
to be just cordoned off. I mean, you're talking thousands of acres that they would stop the logging process because they have a rotational logging process in some of those WMA hardwood forests up there in Arkansas, close to where those sightings were. And if they come out and said, hey, we know of a pair of ivory-billed woodpeckers nesting up here, they would take five square miles or a circumference, you know, a radius of five miles around that that one breeding pair that they know about, and then you couldn't even go in there. Mm-hmm. You're talking about whether you want to agree or disagree, money drives everything. And for a whole state to lose that kind of money from logging, they're just not going to do it. And the same thing with the thylacine. If you look at the thylacine reports in Australia, Tasmanian tiger, for those of you that don't yeah, know what I'm talking gonna, about. I was about to clarify that. Yeah, the Tasmanian tiger, if you don't know exactly what we're talking about. Those sightings also correlate to large areas of timber that are systematically, rotationally logged in Australia. You know, that that's income for those those areas, and they're not going to allow that type of income to just vanish mm-hmm. because you might have seen something. Me, personally, I, I really do think the Tas- Tasmanian tiger still exists. I think both of them still exist. I think the ivory bill woodpecker exists. That You know, the, what is it? It's been probably 10, 15 years now, maybe longer, since that one cell phone video, someone was canoeing in one of the WMAs and saw a very large, large woodpecker flying away from them, and they could hear the call. And so, you know, it's... Yeah, I... I I agree. I think both of those. I think Alti has a strong circumstantial Me personally, yeah. record I mean, of existing. At least at one time. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I I see where the the naysayers would say, you know, nay. The naysayers always say nay. They do. <laughs> that they would say that, um, like you stated, you know, in today's time we would have seen something. But think about the, those are. There are old rice plantations down there that have just been taken over by the river basin and the marshes. And for those of you that have never waded in river bottom mud, there's not, it, it's a misnomer. There's not a bottom. You just sink. You're not going to have your happy ass out there in a pair of rubber boots <laughs> trying to find a monster. That's, that's a good point. And you're not going to take an airboat because, hell, you can hear that thing coming miles away. I think what leads credence to some of these sightings would be these fishermen that have access to the river. They access it quietly. They're in canoes. They don't make a whole lot of noise. I think that's how you're going to see them. But again, who thinks about going fishing in a canoe to take a high-resolution camera with them? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. And I know everybody's, well, you got a camera in your cell phone. Yeah, I tried to take a picture of a deer one time that was 30 (laughs) feet away from my truck, and you couldn't even tell it was a deer. So, yeah, I mean, as advanced as a cell phone technology is, if you get with it beyond 10 feet, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. It does not and will never compare to a high-resolution camera. No, and I think about there's things uh, when I'm driving, you know, and I've sent you some of them, pictures of these idiots with bumper stickers or sands on the back of their car or something like that. I mean, I got a I got to get on the guy's ass. I got to zoom up and I somehow have to position my phone on the steering wheel without wrecking and take a picture that is not blurry. Just think about doing all of that when you see something that you shouldn't see. 
that your mind is saying, no, there's no way that exists. So it's just my two cents. I mean, you make a good point. You know? This has kind of turned into a cryptid cast <laughs> than it has more about Alti, but... Well, I mean, why not? Why shouldn't it be? Alti's a cryptid, so... Well, what other... Let's just keep going, because, hell, we do this for our pleasure most of the time. What other cryptids do you think... We did this at the top five that we think about a couple... Hell, maybe four or five months ago, but... We both agree that Bigfoot exists. We both ex- agree the Tasmanian tiger exists. Well, I mean, we... That's not a. I wouldn't classify it as a cryptid because it it has been classified. Yeah, the thousand is not ex- a cryptid. Yeah, yeah, it's not a cryptid. It's an extinct animal. Well, there it's was that supposedly show. extinct. There was that show where it was it was it uh, extinct or not or something like that. The guy was a wildlife biologist and he went around the world trying to. He would find these. Uh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I want to say it's on Discovery Plus. I should look into it. If I find it, I'll send you the link. But he he actually found some previously, you know, extinct animals that still lived. So that's the thing, though. You People don't understand the time, the effort, the amount of money it takes to really research, set up these kind of expeditions. I mean, you're talking about something. If you lived, what's that habituation site in um, Pacific Northwest where they're, they're putting out gifts, and I think it's over the Skookum cast where it kind of yeah. laid down. Yeah, it's yeah, part. Yeah. What is that name of that? I'm not sure, but but that guy, him and his friends, just basically came up and they bought the land or had rights to the land, and it's something like a hundred, two hundred acres, and they've kind of just kind of kept people away from it, and they're kind of that habituation thing where they're trying to get them used to humans and the gift giving on the tree stumps and stuff like that. Um, that's what it's going to take for a lot of these. I, I mean, if you go, if you go to Florida, the skunk ape, I think, hell, the Everglades, it could hold things that you never knew possible. And then there's that video of that. That's probably one of the better films for Bigfoot skunk ape running across that marshland in that high grass. Yeah, and that guy, that guy's like staked out for months just to get that footage yeah according to him yeah but i think that's what you know people lose sight of when it comes to cryptids or things that they thought were previously extinct it takes a lot of time and effort you know it's a marathon in that situation of trying to prove something like that is there anything else that strikes you that may still exist or is not extinct (sighs) this is going to sound crazy but i i would say Something that may possibly still exist in the vast Siberian tundra. I agree with you. Would be a woolly mammoth. They're shit in Siberia. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason they put people up there for prison. There is nothing up there. It is very inhospitable. Yeah. And if you're a creature that, hey, was being hunted by man... You would want to find a place where man wasn't there. And I, I would assume that they trekked into the Siberian tundra and it's unexplored. There's vast regions of that place that's unexplored because we just can't tolerate it. So if I would to guess if any extinct animal still existed, I would say woolly mammoth very far north into the Siberian tundra. 
What do you think? I agree. I agree. I agree. I, I, I agree with the gentleman sitting across from me. <laughs> but as far as cryptids go, Bigfoot number one, man. I, it's just there's just too much. There's too much evidence to support its existence. Well, and I saw a, a thing on that expedition Bigfoot about if they could have cast that footprint they found at the end of season two when he discovered it, because the video of it, I mean, it is extremely detailed. If they could have cast it then, you would have seen more dermal ridges on the toes and the foot pad. They even found dermal ridges on that, though, when they cast it eight, ten hours later. I haven't seen it. Why could they not cast it at the... At the, at the, time, at the time, he... For those of you that have not seen it, just fast forward for about 45 seconds. But for those of you that have, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're, they, they're in this area where they've kind of, they're almost like tracking Bigfoot. They've got thermal shots of something large moving. They, they hear sounds, all the stuff that you want to hear if you're doing Bigfoot research. And so the one guy, the ex-military uh, guy, he takes the ridge and the other two stay in a draw. And he comes across this old train trestle. And so they walk out there, and him and his cameraman are there, and all of a sudden his cameraman starts losing his shit. And he tries to spin as fast as he can, and he can't. And he's like, look, 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 look. And then by the time they looks and gets his camera, you know, stabilized, there's nothing there. He's like, man, it's huge. It's black. It's either black hair or black fur. It's a black bear or something. And uh, he's like, the only way down is to rappel off this bridge. So he rappels off this train trestle into a creek bottom. By the time he gets everything set up and rappels down, it's dark. Mm -hmm. So he's walking this creek bank, and he he goes around this corner from where the train trestle was at. And that whole sixth sense thing, he's he's videoing it with a handheld thermal or a night vision camera, and he's like, every hair on my body is standing up. And you can hear something splashing in the water further down from him. And so he looks, and there's a footprint, a smaller footprint in the edge of the water. And then there is a, I mean massive 16-inch footprint. You see the all the five toes, the the mid-tarsal break, the heel impression. I mean, it is huge. And the picture of that thing is just, I mean, the video image of that is so detailed. Well, he has to, like, kind of stake it off and keep the water from rising. And it takes, like, I want to say it takes, like, six hours for the other two team members to come in. But it also takes, like, 45 minutes for his cameraman to find a safe way down there. Hmm. And so they do, they digitally scan it and they do cast it, but it's, it's, it's just, it's not, and I, I guess it may not have been able to be cast because it was so damp at the time, but man, it is for those types of TV shows. That's probably the best short of uh, Josh Gates and that, that Yeti footprint he found and the Nepalese government brought him in. Was that destination unknown? Yeah, I believe so. But yeah, they send it off to the they send the cast off to um, Dr. Meldrum at Iowa State, and he tells them he was like, "Look, there's things in this cast that if you're going to fake it, you would not know to fake these." And he names like two or three things, mm -hmm. and he says, "And I know this because." And he pulls out other casts that have those and that uh, that are similar to some primates. They also find chimpanzee DNA hmm. in Kentucky near Pine Mountain on the expedition Bigfoot. And short of a zoo 
blowing up in Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> there shouldn't be no chimps in there. Or a circus outbreak, man. You, you know, never know. It's not the 1800s where the train broke down. <laughs> but I, I, I think we're close. I really do. I think we're close as cryptids go with Bigfoot to proving. I don't think we'll ever have a body, though. I think you'll get a clear, you'll get a clear video before you get a body. Oh, for sure. But then the naysayers will say, "Nay, they will. They, they always do. They always have that one word come up." But <laughs> they will say that it was a hoax, a guy in an ape suit, da 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 da. But you know, it's, there's always going to be that short of a body. You're not going to prove anything. I, but I think with the technology and DNA. That's how science is going to have to agree that they're alive or that they they exist because there's going to be an unknown primate, you know, that they're constantly finding hair that doesn't have the medulla and, you know. But anyway, we've rambled on enough about Bigfoot and this will start off as an all medulla oblongata. All right, Coach, uh, you got recommendations or are we just going to cut this sucker off? No, I'm going to recommend, <laughs> well... I'm going to recommend uh, a podcast again. Uh, True Crime Garage's episodes on the Circleville Letter Writer. I saw that. Were amazing. Better than ours? Yeah, but way, <laughs> way better than ours. Seriously? I didn't think anybody could do better than our Circleville. I thought we did better than Unsolved Mysteries. No, they did a great job. Uh, so many different theories that we didn't think of. And so much information that we didn't research. No offense to you, because they get again they get paid to do it. Yeah, if you're making we don't. If you're making sixty thousand dollars on your Patreon, yeah, no doubt. Um, I would do a hell of a lot better. Yeah, you're making sixty thousand dollars a month on just Patreon, not even counting your advertisements. You're going to do a little bit better research, but. Of the, I've listened to nearly every single episode of True Crime Garage, and this was two of their best, their, their absolute best episodes. So if you haven't listened to the uh, Circleville Letter Writer episodes, I recommend those very highly. Well, I'm going to recommend, and this came as a recommendation to me, and I listened to it, but the podcast Crime Junkie did two parts on Lacey Peterson. And their tagline is the story everyone thinks they know, but do you really? And they did a very good job of talking about Lacey Peterson's life leading up to the murder and then how Scott is a piece of shit. He, he really is. So if you, if that, if the Lacey Peterson. He really, he really is a piece of shit, by if, the way. If Lacey Peterson case uh, interests you, I recommend The Crime Junkie. And thank you to Haley and Martez for recommending that to me. So you got anything else on the cryptids or Alti or? I don't have anything. I'm done. We will leave you this week with a top five. I know we've not done that in a while and we got some good feedback and we may start doing that more often. But this time we're going to do in no particular order. No, there's an order. So I start with one. Is that what you're saying? No. I start with number one. Hell and I go, no. <laughs> It's a countdown. I'll turn this son of a bitch off right now. It's a countdown. I will leave this podcast and you do it on your own. Motherfucker. (laughs) Ain't nothing pisses him off than a countdown that starts with number one. 
Well, hell, you don't uh, told me one. I ain't listening. The rest it's of not it. A, yeah, it's not a countdown. <laughs> you you start with number one. What the fuck am I listening for? <laughs> fuck the fuck. What? No. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I, if if I if I go on a YouTube page and it's a countdown and they start with number one, I'm fucking out. I'm done. I don't listen to anything else. I don't care. I'm a countdown junkie. I swear to God, one time I watched No Lie on VH1 for five fucking hours. I watched the 100 top fashion faux pas. I don't give a fuck about fashion. But you just couldn't turn away. But I had to know what number one was. What number one was. Which, what, what, what was it? I fucking can't remember. <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't tell you to save my life. But I fucking promise you, my wife and I sat there. She's like, why are we watching this? I'm like, shut up. We got to know. <laughs> uh, I have to know that. I have to know. If there's a countdown, you got me. I don't give a shit what the subject is. The top 10 ways paint dries. I'm in. So, no. We're going five to one. Okay. So this is the top five. Wrestlers, greatest wrestlers of all time, in our in opinion. In our opinion. And I know we're going to piss some people off, but that's okay. That's our job. So I will start us off with number five, in my opinion, is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number five? Holy shit. Are you kidding? No. Number f- that that lo- okay all right that low. Well, I'm going historically from my youth too. Now, you may disagree yeah, with much, these. Yeah, you're much older, so you probably <laughs> you probably like fucking Luthez or Bruno San Martino because you're an old fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going number five. Harley Race. Arn Anderson. Yeah, there you go. In my opinion, Arn Anderson is the greatest wrestler of all time that never won a world title. You can talk about you, Mr. Perfect, you Rick Rudes, all that bullshit. Arn Anderson is the greatest wrestler of all time that never won a world title. Period. End of sentence. Okay. Uh, number four for me is The Rock. Really? Yeah. My God, I cannot disagree with you more. <laughs> I mean, he's good. He's great. I just, here's my thing. And I, I think this is why I put him and Stone Cold in my top five is because I was in college during their heyday and me and my roommate and our friends would gather you around were like way out of college before their, before the Rock's heyday. Mm-mm. Yeah, you were. We were in Monday Night Raw. No, you. <laughs> and we would gather around like Freaking teenagers watching 90210 and order pizza and watch the whole fucking thing every Monday. And like, by God, if we if somebody had to work and we had to tape it, you better not talk about it. Yeah, if you weren't part of pro wrestling at the end of the 90s, you missed out. It yeah. was appointment television. You had to be there. And they always ended with a huge cliffhanger where you're like, damn it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm being dead serious. Dead serious. I did not hang out with my girlfriend on Mondays. I got out of football practice. I had to go home. 
I had to take a shower, had to eat dinner, and I had to watch wrestling. The only day that I did not associate with my girlfriend was Mondays, and she knew it. It was a, it really was appointment television. Yeah. So you're number four. My number four is my personal favorite wrestler of all time, but I I generated my opinion upon many different factors when I come up with the greatest. I didn't include just because he's my favorite. I didn't make him number one, but Mick Foley, absolutely. 100% one of the best wrestlers of all time. Well, since it's my opinion, I'm going to say that I have two for three, a 3A and a 3B. No, you can't. You're not allowed. I'm just going You're to not do allowed it. to do that. My 3B would be Goldberg. My 3A would be Sting. Goldberg? And the reason I say Goldberg is Gold- because they put him on that pedestal. They really did, but good God, he was terrible. As a technical wrestler, I'll give you that. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking about great, best, greatest wrestlers of all time. We're not talking about the greatest technical wrestlers of all time because, of course, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, all those kind yeah. of... Yeah, technical Kurt Angle. All those names would come up. Yeah. But, but Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right, you're number three. Well, my number three, of course, is because he's the most popular wrestler of all time. He did so. When you talk about the Mount Rushmore, the next three people I'm going to mention would be on my Mount Rushmore of wrestling, without a doubt. The fourth member of the Mount Rushmore of wrestling is really great, uh, up to debate, but you can't deny these three people. And that's Hulk Hogan. I mean, he he defined wrestling yeah. for generations. You know, the 80s, and then, of course, when he turned heel in WCW, that was one of the... Greatest, like... It was the biggest moment in pro yeah. wrestling history. Yeah, Probably the best thing Ted Turner ever did. Yeah, probably, yeah, no doubt. But you can't deny him. No, that, he's my number two. What's your number two? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead with your number two. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> my number two is... Hulk Hogan. If our number ones don't match, then uh, they probably won't. Th- they have to. Really? Yes. No. Okay. So you're number two then. My number one. You no no no. You got to give me no, your no, no, number no. two. My number one didn't make your top five. And it's a shame. You're out of your fucking mind. Okay. My opinion. You're out of your fucking. Well, mind. I may back up and say that I'm over exaggerated and forgot okay. one. All right. Anyway. My number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number two? I mean, you put him that high? <laughs> Damn right I did. Yeah, he is. He's, he's good. He, he really is good. Changed, he was the pinnacle star of the height of pro wrestling. Yeah. And if, again, you had to be there, but when that fucking music hit. Everybody knew That it. shattered glass, man, you could not possibly get more hyped. Yep. Now, before I give you my number one. No, I want to hear your, no, I want to hear your bullshit you, fucking number one. I'll give you my honorable mention. Give me your honorable fucking mention. Uh, Andre the Giant. Of course. Um, but my number one is Dutty Rose, American Dream. No, 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 no. Let me back up. I kind of fucked that up. We may have to back up. Because I left a huge one out, and I just thought about it. 
So I'm gonna do a tie. So I'll cut all this bullshit out. No, no, don't, no, don't cut none of this fucking shit out. You're my fucking tie, bullshit. My tie for number one, and because they had some great, great matches together, is Duck the Roll, the American Dream, and Mister Ric Flair. Yeah, that's my number one with a fucking bullet. It's Ric Flair. <laughs> How on earth could you even think? For a second, to about leave a, about Rick Flair a top off. five without Ric Flair in it. Without Ric Flair, I, told, in it? I just without Ric Flair. I said I mind farted shit. There's a million. That's why I said I tied with Death Row and Ric Flair. There's a countless amount of lives that you could choose to live. One without Ric Flair is not no, one no, you no, want to know about. <laughs> if you chose to live any life on this earth, and you didn't choose to live the life of Ric Flair back in his heyday. You're that out of your fucking hair. mind. That dude, yeah, he had oh my tail running everywhere. Oh Jesus Christ! Like, if it, there's a if there's a pro wrestling life to live, that's the one. That motherfucker had so much fun in his life. Well, the Broken Skull sessions with Steve Austin. He interviews Ric Flair, and he talks about the one of the. Uh, matches later, like in the modern day wrestling, when Steve was there, and it was still like Rick had to petition the WWE to let him do like a 30 or 40 minute match with someone. And I mean, those are like slobber knocker. You had to be in great shape. Great yeah, shape. Oh, yeah. I will say an honorable mention for me is just because I got to know him, what he's done for society and other wrestlers is Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah. I mean, hands down, if anybody has used his fame and paid it forward, uh, Dallas has paid it forward tenfold. I mean, he I he basically absolutely. saved Jake Snake Roberts' life. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. He's definitely leading a uh, very purposeful life now. But that's not what we were talking about. No, we're not. But he would be an honorable mention of mine just because he, he was he was good – but, you know, and then you get into the Rowdy Roddy Poppers. You know, they all had their niche. The Macho Man Randy Savage. You know, it's just, you could just, all of those guys, you could just put them in a cup and throw them out, and it'd be hard to rank them besides number one being Ric Flair. No, you didn't say that. And number two being the throw. You, no, you didn't say that. You you chose Dustin Road. You completely forgot about me. I did forget about Rick. I told you I was going to forget about one. man of all time. As soon as I said, Dustin Road, the American dream, I th- it hit me like you Not even dumbass. Cl- Dusty Rhodes wouldn't even be in my top ten. You're an idiot. <laughs> okay. Hands down, you're an idiot. <laughs> Maybe my top ten. Maybe. But there's no way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll take that one. I'll take that. I'll take that pain. I'll take it. Yeah, there's no way they compare to each other. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know we've rambled and uh, we've we've <laughs> talked about everything under the sun, but hopefully you enjoy these dumbass episodes that we do. We've talked about Alti, Bigfoot, Thylacines, Woolly Mammoths, and then we ended with the top five wrestlers, and he's still not going to let me forget this. So, <laughs> Rick Flair. All right, ladies. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Well, deuces. <laughs>